How's that going, guys? Wow. Now we're with us now. Now, I'm, now I've just woken up. It's great. It's good to be here. I just always enjoy, you know, every opportunity in word, testimonies, songs, just to get refreshed. There's only one really refreshing place to look is look again at Jesus. Haven't you found that? Look again. And so often I'm, I'm a bit of a thinker and I can get lost in all these things. And then it starts to get a bit complicated for me. And I get a bit like, oh, I'm walking through mud. Oh, things seem a bit complicated. But then one way or another, I just get back to Jesus. And it's like, wait, look into Jesus. Who is this man, God, God, man again? Uh, and then suddenly it's like, wow, wonder, simplicity as well. Isn't he the one-stop spot? for life, for power, for hope and breakthrough. So I'm enjoying that this morning. My name's Steve. Tim's having a holiday right now. That's really good. I reckon that'll be good. He deserves that. Um, and he asked me to come and speak this morning and tonight. And uh, so, I mean, who am I? My wife Louise is here. We've got three kids. Because uh, I don't really know many people in the room, at the same time, there are a bunch of you who have had the joy of getting to know a little bit. So, and I'm really looking forward to more and more. We're, we're attending the night service and, and morning now as well, so we'll see us around a little more. We've been chaplains in the area, so Louisa and I have been SU chaplains, and so I really love what Roger was sharing about RI um, when I was a lot younger, even than I am now. I'm just 42, as you know, but even when I was younger than this, um, I um, yeah, did a bit of RI, and it's powerful, but just saying a little bit about us, we're youth pastors as well at Narangba Baptist. Roger, that's where you are now. Oh, which is cool. We finished up there in about 2010. So we love this area and the young people here in the high schools and the state schools. And now I'm teaching part-time some kids, like one-on-one. -on -one. I teach them how to read and write, especially the ones who are like really, really intelligent at all kinds of other stuff, but they just can't get that abstract symbol. Why does that line say that? You know, and, and that kind of stuff. And so I help them to read and write one-on-one. -on -one. That's a little about, bit about us. When Tim asked me to speak... And he said, you know, you could talk a little bit about worship and mission um, because mission has been something really fresh in my heart lately um, and making it simple, not something for, for like superstars because I'm not one. Oh, man, I've battled with timidity, shyness, fear all of my life. I was the shyest kid in my class, I reckon. And it wasn't because I was happy being that way. It's because I was actually fearful. You know the difference? And, um, but... Uh, we, um, when you, so, but mission's been coming up lately, making it simple and easy, not pressurized for the ordinary person, not the evangelist. Um, so he said, you could talk about mission and, and worship. But when I asked the Lord about it, I felt salvation was so strong. So we're going to look at the, that, that connection between the salvation of God, and I'm simply calling this power to save power to save. Not just one kind of power for one sort of salvation, but I'm talking about in Jesus Christ in whom in Colossians is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. We're talking about he covers the lot. You know, he's the creator of us. He's the restorer of us. He's the maintainer of your life and mine and all the areas and intricacies that are a mystery, like a full-on mystery to you and I, and we've beat our heads against brick walls all our life. Why won't this work in one particular area or another? To him, there's no mystery in that because he understands it. Every knotted problem comes apart, you know, in his eyes and his gaze. He understands your life and mine. That's profoundly reassuring. So in Jesus... I, he gave me a talk about salvation, but it's his power to save. And in my heart this morning, I've been looking a lot at Colossians and Mark, the Gospel of Mark. 
And, uh, and I'm seeing that Jesus saves from sin, definitely, from the real guilt of our real sin and the natural consequence of alienation from God because of that. Jesus' dead on, death on the cross, he saves us primarily from that, true? Our sin, our horrible sin, and that it's a blockage and it alienates us from God. It's a real guilt. It's not a psychological guilt. We're actually truly guilty, an offensive way of broken off from God in all his ways. So he does save us from that. But what's on my heart is he also saves, not minimizing that. That's the gateway, though. He also is saving us. He is saving us from so much more than the guilt of sin as well. That's, that's sinking. This is, that's awesome. But he is saving us. It's not fully done, and none of us are going to be able to go, and it's going to all hit me, and I'll be completely saved from every sort of thing I, and powerlessness and, and pain or problem that I need right here in my seat today. He is saving us from that nonetheless. And because Jesus has power to save in all areas, even beyond sin, but all areas we need saving, there is hope for us today. I might also add that three weeks ago when I knew that I would be speaking this morning, we came for the first time to the morning service, and I asked, I just in prayer, you know, asked the Lord, what's your heart for the people, you know, for me and all of your people here? And look, this, I can only just speak, you know, as we all can. Well, this is what was in my heart. You understand? We're not trying to claim some great authority or something, but just this is what I really experienced quite clearly in my heart. And I felt, I felt as though I felt the Father's heart, and I felt his encouragement for every person that's in the room. And what I really felt quite cleanly and sh- uh, clearly and sharp and, and yeah, quite clearly for me, is that there's, I feel him saying there's such goodness in all the people in this room. The Lord is with you. I felt that you have been tested. Everyone in this room has been tested, yet you're faithful. Haven't you come through fire? Haven't you come through pressures? But you know, that's no little thing. It's been by the grace and power of the Lord to sustain in the pain of waiting for our full salvation. But that too has been the power of the Lord working in your life and mine. It was though I felt that no one in this room would be here apart from a genuine responsiveness to God, like save me, Lord, and keep saving me and hold me faithful to you because many have been torn away and we love them. But I felt a word of encouragement for you. I felt like for everyone in this room, it's like they wouldn't be here if they hadn't come through testing and fire. And he's saying, already my goodness is in them. Is that encouraging? <laughs> so whatever um, we might look at in the Word of God briefly now that might say, oh, there's more. You know that feeling? Uh, oh, okay, there's more. Instead of going, oh, no, I'm meant to have more. <laughs> it's not like that. I feel like an encouragement of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit. Like a well done in, the, in His grace that you've passed through fires and you're faithful and his goodness is in you. And, uh, and it's like a more an exciting invitation. Wow, we could even get to know the voice of God, the working of his power in our life, especially the power to sustain us in our waiting more and more. So, yeah, let's read Colossians chapter 1. Now, I haven't got a big PowerPoint going on here. So I want you, when I say a key word, could you do me a favor, work with me here, and put it up in lights in your, in your mind. Like, I'm going to say a word like Jesus saves from guilt. Jesus saves from shame. He saves from fear. I'm going to have quick, lots of story, okay, from the Bible and a few from my life. Um, but if you could just, if I say a word, just put it, just picture it in your head. This is how I teach kids. Picture it in your heads in blue, neon lights, and you'll be able to remember this. But let's look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 
verse 12. In fact, we're going to pray right now. Thank you, Father. Pray with me. Father God, we depend upon you. We invite your your light, your understanding into our hearts and minds afresh right now. Thank you for your glorious word. And we, we just pray now that there will be hope released in your power to sustain us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let us see you more clearly this morning. Father, I pray that you would, by the Holy Spirit, bring comfort to those who need comfort today. Father, I pray you would bring hope to those who have felt maybe despair or like patience wearing thin or that kind of encroaching panic at times or that dismay, like, I can't hang on, I can't keep going. Lord, it's so true. We can't. We're so dependent on you. And you are with us. And you have a great power to sustain us, even do wonders among us as well. So Lord, speak. We are listening. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Jesus is saving us from love, uh, with love and power. Not from love. He's saving us in love and power. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Focus in on this. For God has rescued us it's a rescue is going on. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Wow. So is salvation really about power? You know what I mean? Is it really an emphasis of a power to save and, and deliver? Well, the greatest is that it's about love, correct? But even the purest love, if there's no actual power, to, to change the life, to rescue the ones who are loved, then it's wonderful to be loved, but there's no grounds for actual hope. You know what I'm saying? And so God's love works. He has love, but he has power, and he shifts things. So this is a language of rescue from a dominion into another government, a kingdom of the Son, the One, Jesus Christ. So a superior power has broken you is working in your life over and in more inferior power and is working to rescue us and this is why whatever we're ha what is happening in your life you can draw encouragement and hope today he's also made us companions of him colossians chapter 3 follow this colossians chapter 3 and verse 3 christ is this great deliverer but who is he to you is all important. Where are you with him? And it says this, Christ, who is your life, is your life. And in verse 3, you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You are hidden in God right now. And as the Lord Jesus Christ as a human walked in fellowship, hearing and knowing what the Father was doing, we have that opportunity as well now. And lastly, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, says, be watchful and thankful. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. 
so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And he says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Here, God has, Jesus has power, and he is saving us from every type of thing that we need salvation from. And he has put us in, into him and him in with us. So right now, you're an intimate companion of this powerful one. And we are also with him on his mission to love people uh, in very down-to-earth ways, very daily ways, being with, encouraging, speaking with, and sharing Jesus. All right, so Jesus is saving us from more than sin, and yet sin is the most important thing we need saving from. Hebrews 7.25 says, Jesus is able to save completely those who are coming to God through him. One day, we'll be saved from everything, but in the middle, right now, we're still waiting for that kingdom to come in full, right? But I've got to ask, if he saves from more things than just sin and guilt, what are these other things he saves us from? And this is where we're going to look at a few quick stories now in Mark. Does he only save us from guilt, or is there other things that Jesus tends to want to save people from? Certainly, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 44. If you want to go there, he saves from guilt. Picturing that in your head. There's a woman who Jesus went to the Pharisees' house, but a woman who was known to be a sinful woman we're all sinners, right? But particularly known as a particularly sinful woman was, came to the house as well. And the Pharisees there were like, wow, if Jesus was really, you know, a prophet, a man of God, he's gonna, he, know, he should know who's touching him. And of course, he should distance because of the guilt. The guilt. So Jesus saves from guilt because of the guilt of this person. He should distance. You know, don't touch me. I don't want to do something. You, need to, you should know that you're guilty. You shouldn't be near to me. I don't want to be near to you, that kind of thing. But Jesus knew what was happening in that man's heart. This woman came into the house, and she was so aware of her own guilt, but she did not walk away from Jesus. She went toward him. Let's go towards him, in our sense, our knowledge of our guilt. She started crying and weeping on his feet, wiping his feet with her hair. This is really humble, isn't it? Actually really humiliating because there's the righteous one looking down on her. She's doing that, not only that, but she begins to kiss his feet. It's customary to kiss someone as they enter, but here she is kissing his feet. She, pour, she brings out that perfume and pours it on the feet of Jesus. She must be burningly conscious of her guilt, you know, her sense of unworthiness. And it's a true guilt, Yeah. It's not something she, she just, a psychologist should say you should just brush off. No, it's a true girl. It's a real problem. But she's poured that out, that perfume. And then Jesus says, speaks to the Pharisee and says, no, no, imagine this. He tells that whole thing. There's two people who, there's a, land, there's a, a money loaner, and he's loaned this bunch of money to two people. One is one and a half years of wages he's loaned to this man. The other is just under two months of wages. And Jesus is like, 
He forgives them both. In the case of guilt, Jesus gives more than love in a sense. He actually gives forgiveness. Or in love, he gives forgiveness. And he says, which of these two will love him more? What do you guys think? We know. The one who was forgiven, the one and a half years of wages, the one who was forgiven much. This lady, and then, and then he says to this about this lady, he completely wholeheartedly receives this lady's offering. He says, you haven't kissed me when I came, you haven't washed my feet, but this lady hasn't stopped. She hasn't stopped wetting my feet, you know, with her, even her tears and wiping them clean. You didn't kiss me, but she's not stopped kissing my feet. She's honored me. You know, though she's the sinner. You didn't put oil on my head. She's pouring perfume on my feet. And he says to her, Her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. So obviously, Jesus' power to forgive sins. For myself, um, that happened for me when I was in, in school. When did, that, when did that impact your life? When did Jesus forgive your sins? Was there a, a time when you really understood that? I love what Roger was sharing. For me too, there must have been someone who said, okay, I'll share, I'll just talk about the gospel to a bunch of school kids. We lived in the Philippines. One time we had a pet monkey, which is one of my highlights of living in the Philippines. I uh, we went down to this campsite, Word of Life, and... Uh, and they had this world record holding top. This is the biggest in the world. They'd like string it up with a rope off a coconut tree, drop that thing, and it would just burn, and, you know, and then you'd stand back so it didn't fall on you because we were kids, uh, which is really fun. And in this camp, we uh, had a session um, where someone just simply talked about the gospel. And I'm a kid, school kid, maybe year four, something like that, year five maybe. And uh, at that time, he simply laid out that Jesus has power to forgive uh, my sins. And I remember, just like this lady, um, beyond cognitive thought, something happened in my heart. It was that moment for me as a kid. And, uh, and I realized Jesus really has power. And he lifted that, that guilt and shift, shame off me. It's a spiritual thing. It was a supernatural thing. It wasn't a G up. Oh, that's great. But in my heart, something shifted. And I remember just the, the love that came into me as I, as I left that room. I was just skipping up the hill, you know, under the coconut trees. It was like an absolute freedom, that gift of of freedom from guilt. Okay, so we've got guilt, but Jesus saves us from much more than guilt. He saves people from shame. Think of shame now. You will actually, in this life and life to come, shame is a crippler, but Jesus has power to save from the chains of shame. Think of Mark chapter 1, verse 40. So thinking shame in your head, you see it in blue lights there in your brain. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. There's a story of the untouchables. There's a man with leprosy. You know, he's from a distance begging Jesus, of course. He's got, he's got um, the shame of being, he himself in his own body is unclean. Everyone says, you're unclean, keep away, back, you know. He has to proclaim, I'm unclean, back away from me. Shame is, is uh, very deep. It's, of course, not only I've done something wrong, but I'm profoundly wrong. And, uh, and not approachable. 
And how Jesus' power to come and touch that man is he just reached through all those barriers. And it says there, he says, I am willing, be clean, as he reached out his hand and touched the man. And the Lord comes near. If there's any shame, the Lord comes near to us. And How does Jesus break shame? What does he give? When there's guilt, he gives forgiveness. When there's shame, he actually gives honor. Jesus gives honor. He gives honor. And he says, you are of great value. And he comes and touches our lives and restores honor. There's a time in my life when I was in Tasmania, and it's only five years ago or something like that. And I was asking the Lord going into a session because I just felt like something's up. I'm like, what's going on for me here, God? And I felt him clearly say to me, this was, this was like, what are you talking about, Lord, in a way? Because it seemed extreme to me. I felt him really say, you have, you have hatred of yourself. <laughs> I'm like, really, Lord? In my past, I had experienced some trauma and things like this, and I, and I had really rejected myself um, because I wanted to be like others. You know, I felt inferior, all sorts of things like this. It's real. It's been a real battle for my life in the past. What happened was, I felt the Lord talk about that, and I thought, Lord, that sounds really strong. Like, if that's going on in my heart, though, I open up my heart to you. And in this session, which is a very free space where people could move about and things like that and just worship in prayer, I ended up um, actually laying down on the floor to open up, just signal like the opening up my heart to the Lord. It was appropriate, you know, it wasn't like a weird thing. And I uh, opened up my heart, and Thomas, actually it was a bit weird, but anyway... <laughs> talking about the power of God to break shame, even, if, even when you think there's not, that's not in your heart. What if the patterns of when you look away or, or you're, 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 um, a pattern in, in your or my heart where we, where we lack a confidence before people? Or, you know, sometimes there are those actual patterns of shame and unworthiness happening in many of our lives. And the Lord was highlighting, I want to deal with that. I lay down on the floor. It was a real time. It was powerful. I remember there were some tears come, coming from my, from my eyes and, and my heart. And I was like, Lord, just do what you need to do. You know, I've, I've, I have accepted myself. I, have, I, I know that you love me. But I lay there, and I was being affected. I was just opening my heart, being very genuine. And I encourage you to do that. Take the risk. Be vulnerable before the Lord. It takes time, and I've found that when I step into that place, it feels like I'm going backwards because like, you become conscious at those times of how your inadequacy and your weakness, you know what I mean? You don't necessarily want to dwell there too long, but sometimes you go there, it's like, oh my goodness, this is a bit of a mess. <laughs> you know, it's like, but you've got to go backwards to go forwards at times when it's the Lord's timing, and he dialed this up. He said, what about hatred of yourself? Lord, really? That strong? I wouldn't have thought that. Here I am lying down, there's tears, this is real. Lord, do what you want to do. Operate in me. And I'm just laying there. I'm just waiting with tears just open. Lord, you know, I must need your love. Encourage me below my subconscious even. Just minister to me. And here's how the Lord came to me and touched me. It's unusual but very, very special to me. Because some time into this, um, a man approached me very gently, very humbly. It was very appropriate. Nothing wild or weird. And yet it was extraordinary. And he came up to me and said, excuse me, and I've never known this man. I looked up. <laughs> never met this man. And he said, you know, while we were worshipping, I felt the Lord put something really on my heart for you. And I saw something. I believe it's from the Lord. Is it okay if I share that with you? And I said, sure. You know, what is it? I'm, I'm really not believing that the Lord's going to speak to me. I'm just waiting upon him. And he says, 
as I, as I was worshiping, as I saw you on the floor there, I don't know what's happening for you, but he said, it's as though I saw somebody walk to you with a crown in his hands, someone in white. He took that crown and he placed it gently on your head. Here I am. I know I'm not special. Today, I know I'm not special <laughs> compared to anyone else, but to him, I know I am. Honored by the king. And I know that all of us are cherished and honored and crowned in that same way. Are we not royal sons and daughters? And it's not like an empty, you know what I mean, like a fairy floss sort of pat on the back. This is profound eternal truth that our Father is the Lord of lords. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth. But he's tender. So isn't that precious? Well, I don't even know, God, that I'm hating myself. What? You know, I thought I was through all that. Do what you need to do. Tears in my heart, tears in my eyes. And a man says, I see one coming to you and placing a crown on your head. We're all crowned. But that was very personal because my name's Stephen, and he knows how to come. He'll come in very different ways. You know, do you? Uh, the, the meaning of Stephen, like name meanings are fine, aren't they? And they're, they're important, of course, to the Lord at times, but it's not everything, is it? He, he just speaks in many languages. But my name's Stephen, and Stephen means crowned one. And here I am, you know, knowing my brokenness. And the Lord, you know, shows someone else that come, I'm coming to you as though I'm crowning you. You're my son, you're my crowned one. And what happened in my heart, I just paused for another half a minute and it dropped. Not clicked, well that too, but it also dropped in my heart. The sort of thing that can shift those foundations, even really un rewrite those really deep beliefs and self-perceptions. Remember, Jesus saves from shame. And I realized, if he can love, if he can honor me and love me in that way, I think I can love someone like that. I think I can really love someone who's honored by God in that way to be crowned. Does that make sense? What a gift of me, and he feels the same way about you today. Jesus really does have power to save for things beyond, not only just the sheer guilt. That's just the doorway in. You know, Jesus is the door, but he's so much more. The door is the threshold where you come into the relationship with God. But then you've got the whole mansion of his, of his person, of his presence to explore. And in there you see, yeah, he's saving from so much. So he, he, he um, saves us from shame through giving honor. He put the crown on me. Hey, there's something else Jesus saves from. He saves from fear. Real world fear, he saves from fear. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Quick story. This is when the guys, the boys, the disciples, and maybe some others with them, they're racked in fear. They're terrorized. They're paralyzed with fear. It's that time when they're in the boat. You can picture it now. Stuck, you know, storm. Uh, we are literally going to drown. They're, they're packing it, you know. This is like, they're so afraid. And here's Jesus uh, in the stern, sleeping in a cushion, you know. Make sure Jesus in the, is in the boat with you. But today he's saying, I am in the boat with you. <laughs> he got up, he rebuked the wind, he said to those waves, quiet, be still. Jesus has power to save us from fear and to save us through there's real circumstances that are bringing us fear. Quiet, be still, and the wind died down. It was completely calm. He said to his disciples, 
wonder why you're so afraid. I wonder what his tone is when he says things like this. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Don't know who they were more afraid of. The waves or, or Jesus at this point. But the thing is, the fear of Jesus cured them from the fear of those waves. Isn't that true? And more profoundly, even when the storm continues for a while in our life, you know, that depression, that sickness is continuing and it's not stilled yet. We have a rock-solid certainty. One day it will. Every storm and every knee and every problem will bow. But in the meantime, while we're waiting, that same power, that same terrifying power of God, but not to us, the comforting power of God, sustains us in supernatural peace in the experience of the breakdown, in the experience of even a continuing storm. So this fear that Jesus uh, saves us from, he saves us by giving power into our helplessness. We fear because we're helpless, true? And so what does he give? He gives power. His presence of power. If not to still the storm or to heal the sickness, power to sustain us through it. Deception and spiritual bondage. We have another more interesting story in a sec. So Mark chapter 1 verse 21. Think of this. This is your blue word up in lights. Jesus saves for more than and guilt, he says, from deception and spiritual bondage. I'm talking about when you know there's a demonic thing happening. Um, that Jesus uh, obviously faced personal, real spirit beings, and, and it's just a fact of life, according to God. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 21. This is where they, Jesus, it happens many times, he went into Capernaum, goes into a synagogue of all places, and it says he starts speaking truth for them because he loves them. So he's speaking truth to fix up confusion and set things right in the heart and mind and understanding. He begins to teach and the people are amazed at Jesus' teaching. He taught them as one who had authority. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out and Jesus says to him, be quiet and come out of him to the spirit. The people were also amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. Teaching and authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. They come out. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. So picture with me that word. Jesus is now saving from deception and spiritual bondage. By speaking truth, those spirit beings that speak the opposite, quietly and uh, under, uh, into people's lives and have a grip on their lives, get revealed and, and Jesus can set us free. So I know of a lady um, in the area, and even this last week, um, was prayed for. This lady who's um, just uh, uh, in a shopping center, so not, not in a church, um, has a belief in faith. So I know of a lady who asked for prayer because her mother had been given, uh, had given to her a thread to tie around her children's waist and her own waist. And um, it was prayed over by some sort of priest, like over in Bali or one of the islands, specifically, you know, kind of stuff, for protection. The ironic thing is, backfired, not, not um, in the perspective of the powers of darkness, who actually were cursing that, because ever since she had put that on, she'd had this terrible pain in her side. She'd had to go to the doctors. It'd been like over a month or, or so, I believe, 
Um, and it was so severe, such a real pain that she'd had x-rays done and all this sort of thing. So even a week ago, I know this lady who asked for prayer for this and she believed that she needs to disagree with that and tell that thing to go. During prayer, as she was prayed for, she said that though she had been sitting upright, she said, during the prayer, it, I fell backwards. It was as though I fell backwards, she said, onto the floor. This is it, you know, like this is a local shopping center. And she said, I fell backwards on the floor and something came out of me. And then I got back up. But at the time when she was being prayed for, she was sitting still, very calmly. But she had this experience of something coming up out of her. This lady has a, was, is a believer in Jesus, has a cross on as well, believes in Jesus. But she also had religious uh, Hindu statues and gods and had been convinced by a relative even that week to um, offer prayers as well. So with a message of saying, for Jesus to deliver and bring salvation from spiritual bondage that you know is real in your life, you'll need to choose to agree with him and just pray to him alone because he's the, the one true way and put aside the false idols. In her agreement with that, she felt this thing go. And as a testimony to the Lord's work, she said, I've been trying and trying to get this pain to come back, but it's gone, absolutely gone. And so she lit up. And so she knew that Jesus saves from guilt, but he also, in this life, and one time forever coming, he saves from deception. And he saves from spiritual bondage and evil spirits today. Jesus saves from so much. He saves from hunger and lack, true? And there's a story in Mark chapter 8, verse 2. We don't need to go to all these. But there's this situation where there's this mighty massive crowd of people who have come. What's Jesus' response? Because I want to encourage you, it's still his response today. On the one hand, while Jesus was on earth, he's strategically doing things as an object lesson, isn't he? This is who I am as the unique son of God, and this is what Father is like. So he's definitely doing that. That's why he works power and, and saves people. But there's something else happen, happening as well, and it's much more just normal, like for all of us. And on this occasion, maybe we should have gone to it, but in Mark chapter 8, verse 2, you may remember it, it says, seeing the crowd, he was moved with compassion. It's not that he felt compelled to, I must have a, a divine revelation about who I am as a unique son of God in that moment. That is definitely happening, super vital. Do you understand? It's actually more like a, a really just goodness response. He wants to do works of power to save and provide because he loves people. And it really is that simple. And I've been feeling that the Lord encouraged me with this lately. As I look around and see people around me, he actually just loves them. You know what I mean? You know when you've got $100 and some of your love is like, I've got no money, no money, no money. It's not that you've got a point to prove. It's that you see that person. Oh, geez, I don't want them to be hungry and suffer. I've got a bit. I want to give you that. That's going to just make my day to give that to you. Make sense? So there's a real sense in which when Jesus comes and saves us all now and one day completely, um, it's just because he loves us. And so it says he was moved with compassion. And the first crowd in instance, so he taught them heaps of things. Though he and the boys were totally dog-tired, he just taught them. And on the second big crowd, as it describes in Mark here, this one, 
He says he had compassion. And so he said to them, I don't want to send them home. They're going to be hungry, you know. See, his heart is so simple. Because he has love, he wants to do something with his power to help. So he says, we're going to give them food. How much, how much have you got, guys? You know, trust me. And then he works that mighty miracle. And so Jesus saved them from hunger and lack, real practical stuff, by his power. He saves from hunger. And uh, we all have, may have stories of that. And my wife and I have many stories of Jesus providing what we've needed. The last one I'm going to point at is brokenness with another fun story. Brokenness. Jesus saves from brokenness, and he truly does. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Mark chapter 10. So many instances, right? I mean, we know this, but do we really see it? Jesus says more, for more than guilt. Also brokenness, broken bodies. Um, he does. One day he will eternally, but even now we can see it. This is blind Bartimaeus. This guy, he had to be intentional with Jesus. He wanted to see, and that's okay, and Jesus didn't knock that back. People were knocking blind Bartimaeus back because Jesus, he heard that Jesus was coming up the road and straight away, Jesus, I know who he is. He, I know, at least has the power to heal me. And he starts to yell out, it says right here, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. The blue word that you're picturing is brokenness, all right? Jesus says from actual brokenness. Starts yelling out, son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, told him, be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. He's intent. He's not going to go away not healed because he didn't wholeheartedly seek. Yeah? He, he pushed through a crowd. Another lady who Jesus healed from, from bleeding pushed through a big crowd as well to touch his hem. There's, a, there's an aspect of that at times. But Jesus stopped and he said, call him. He totally welcomes us in our cries of need. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you, Throw his, throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. We know that doesn't happen every time, does it? But it can happen many times. Let's not give up hope. Let's continue to distribute the word to people as we meet out there. You know, Jesus does save. Sometimes it's instantaneously, and sometimes we're going to need to wait till the end of the age. But in either case, we're not broken. We're not powerless. We're not in dismay because we know 100% certainty that healing, the full salvation is going to come. Does that make sense? Is it encouraging? The Lord is powerful, and he's obviously still healing today. You know, I know of a student um, in the local area who... His dreams were dashed because he was a year 10 student. Um, his dreams were dashed because he wanted to be a police officer. But what had happened was he'd gone on the, on the school camp. And as part of this camp, um, they went on a bike ride. And he went tearing down this big hill, having the time of his life. So it was like really great and then really bad the next second because he came off the bike and uh, his ankle bone here, with the bones were all shattered, really badly shattered. I verified this with his mother later. And she said, yep, doctor said it was like it was shattered like glass. You know, like, maybe that's an exaggeration, but still, that was the doctor's exaggeration, shattered like glass. And they had to put um, 
unfortunately, like steel, a steel rod and pins. And so it's one of those really bad cases. But I know that Jesus saves. He does save. One day, every broken body will be healed, but he's doing it now as well. And uh, during prayer, this boy's uh, for healing for his leg. Lord, will you? Pray. Let's not be shy to you. Let's lay hands on the sick. Like, like the Bible says, the elders anoint oil and pray. And we trust in his power in either case. It's the same power that sustains when we wait or, or actually works a miracle. It's the same power and hope. But this boy, he went and he said he had to uh, get x-rays in three days' time. So he got x-rays and and later came with the report that his bones were completely restored from shattered glass to completely restored. The metal was still in there, but the bones were completely restored. And I know that there was a verification, like at the end of the year, um, uh, his mother confirmed, yes, the bones were broken like this. Yes, he had the x-ray. And yes, the doctors were not able to explain, you know, the, the healing. We're not able to explain. They're like, how has this happened? And the reason, the way it happened, of course, is that our God has power to save. And we're a people of incredible hope. Incredible hope. To face any circumstances with the certainty that Jesus has power to save from all things. My finishing verse, guys, is Colossians. Back to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. Is very important. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. I started with this. Most importantly for us today while we wait, the Lord is encouraging each of us. Jesus has power to save us from despair in our waiting. That was what you could see that in your mind's eye. He saves us from despair in our waiting when we're part way there. When you know so many things haven't been we haven't been saved from. But he saves us from that despair. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, it says, sorry, verse 11, we are strengthened, being strengthened. This is for all of us. We are being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. So the same power that does save and will save us sustains us in endurance and patience now while we're waiting. Look at those words. This is available to you and I because we all have pain that we're waiting through, right? But today, draw on him. We're not in a weak little corner. We're empowered by the Lord even to endure. It's a testimony to his power. And we encourage one another with it today that we are strengthened even in having to wait. By what? All power is available this morning for us while you wait, while I wait through our pain. All power, strengthened according to his glorious might. It brings us peace while we're waiting for the halfway there things that hurt, while at the same time releases us with permission, you know, anticipation also to expect more. You know, more of his power being expressed as we go and pray for people in our own lives as we ask him. Okay. I'm going to pray now, and there's going to be another song, isn't there, from the team? 
But I'd like to pray now, and we'll just make this personal, of course, between you and the Lord. Um, but as I pray, I'd like to just pray for, for us as a whole congregation. And in your heart now, if you are uh, taking a hold of this by faith, Lord, you're wanting to encourage me this morning. You have real hope for me, real power to sustain me. Um, I'd like to like you in your, in your heart right now to say, Lord, that's me. You know, encourage me today. Show me again actually how much power is working on my behalf. It's okay? So we'll just close our eyes and I'll pray as the team starts in a moment to pray, to play. Father God, we thank you for the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, and all of us that in our heart, we've got our hand raised saying, Lord, I know that you're wanting to speak to me today. That you have a, an amazing hope, an amazing sense of victory for me to experience in my heart today, even when the storm is still going, even when the, the healing hasn't happened for me or the problem hasn't dissolved. That, Lord, I believe you're showing me there's a fresh hope, a fresh victory for me to taste because you're working with all power in me to strengthen me in endurance and patience for the glory of God, an eternal testimony. Plus, God, there are some of us in the room that some, through some of the stories, we've got our hand up and we're saying, God, raise my hope and expectancy to see the sick raised, you know, to see depression broken off people. Sometimes it does happen in an instant and then has to be worked in. To see spiritual bondages cast out of people. To see provision made for people as I pray for them. There's some of us who are putting our hand up for that. God, I see too that I have permission that you are the God that saves from all problems. And there's a lot of it you're giving as a foretaste for what's going to come in eternity. I want to be part of that, some of us are saying. Teach me how to be a conveyor of your power by total trust and pointing all the glory to you. So I'm just going to pray for everyone who has hands up. Father, thank you, Lord. Meet these needs. Release encouragement, I pray, upon your people. And also release a, a greater level of partnership with you in releasing the good news that you're a, you're a savior with power to save from all problems. Raise us up gently, God, but powerfully to partner with you to release more of your power in the times where that's your pleasing to you. And also release peace upon us all, God, each of us with encouragement and endurance, um, with power when we're wading through pain. And we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.